And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Donna Dort Donna Dort Donna Dort This is Lee Dort and I'm Donna Dunk This is Lee Dort and I'm Donna Dort I'm Josh Giddy and I'm down to dunk Hey, this is Kenny Hustle and I'm down to dunk I'm Darius Baisley and I'm down to dunk I'm Mike Muscala and I'm down to dunk this is Poku, and I'm down to that. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cracklin' Oat Bran. Oh, I can have these? I'm going to share with my team, but I'm a hog most of Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Go to theathletic.com slash down to dunk and get the athletic for one dollar a month for six months you get sam vicini's draft guide which is apparently longer than the first harry potter book uh so oh, wow. you got a limited time to read that thing before the draft but you've got time i think you got like 32 hours so get after that today also be sure to join us at fassler hall tomorrow night from six to ten we're having a nba draft watch party it's going to be incredible uh fassler hall will be ready for us fully staffed and ready to serve you delicious food and beverages it's going to be a great night you do not want to be at home do not stay at home for this draft this is going to be one of the best drafts for the thunder ever and you're going to have a chance to spend it with tons of crazy thunder fans so be there uh, with me, as always, is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, oh, what's up? What's up, Andrew? Oh, can you believe it's draft draft day eve? Yeah, I can. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed by the amount of, of data and scuttlebutt coming oh. my way. My brain can't handle much more, Andrew. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, man. I'm so excited. I think this draft is going to be really fun. I think there's a lot of mystery as to what's going to happen. I think I think the top three, you'd be pretty surprised if it didn't go Jabari, Chet, Paolo. But then from there, I think that people just have no clue what's going to happen. A lot of that is just like the Kings are in a spot where they should just take the best player available and figure it out. Which, to their credit, I feel like they've been playing it pretty well recently like what getting Woj to go on that mock draft special and say the the kings are comfortable taking ivy at four like that's what you need to say Mm -hmm. whether it's true or not like that's what you have to communicate so at least they're doing that that's like the bare minimum you have to do yeah it's funny we talked to all these draft prospects like a lot of the guys are going to be in the green room and there's a sacramento kings guy on every single one and what these a lot of these calls are just people from different markets asking if they've worked out for their team and then how it went. Yeah. And a lot of the green room guys are like, I have had no contact with Sacramento. Um, so that's like, that's a Maury thing though. 
because like Monty McNair comes from the Maury tree and Maury never brought in guys. He like hated the idea of workouts. But didn't speak to them. <laughs> well, you got to keep them guessing, Andrew. <laughs> didn't even, I've had no contact whatsoever. I get the idea of like not doing workouts. I understand that theory in that you don't want to let a wor- an individual workout sway you from what you saw on the court. However, yeah. you don't even want to talk to these guys. You're picking at four. You're not picking at I mean, <laughs> 12. You're picking at four. You know, hey, we talk about how, how much we respect that organizations like the Thunder are so tight-lipped. It doesn't get much more tight-lipped than not even speaking to the just, prospects. <laughs> just not even doing the work. <laughs> like, they can't, they can't leak anything if you don't ever say anything to them. Hey, yeah, exactly. You can't. <laughs> We don't get leaks because we don't do the work. That's hey, spe- Sacramento Kings. Of, of not doing the work, uh, I wanted to start today not talking about the Thunder. I wanted to talk about this article that came out. Actually, tangentially related to the Thunder, yeah. because there there are some quotes. He actually, uh, so this was an article by Kevin Arnovitz about the Suns' approach, the Phoenix Suns' approach to the NBA draft. And James Jones, he actually asks him about the Thunder. And he gave some quote, whatever. It's not mm-hmm. that interesting. But the the article itself is wild. It's wild be- to say any of this stuff publicly anyway, so like regardless. But it's really wild to say this stuff in an article that releases a day before the NBA draft. So the, the entire premise of the article is about how the Phoenix Suns do not care about the draft, like at all. And I just want to read you some quotes, Andrew, see what you think. Okay, so Zach Amundsen, he's the son's senior analyst of personnel and team evaluation. His Amundsen? Is that Lou Amundsen's son? I So Lou Amundsen is also featured in this article, so I'm guessing there's some relation there. Huh, okay. The Continue. quote here is, our draft board would be a mockery to other teams. By the time we were done, we only had five to seven guys on our draft board. Oh. Why would you? Why, why would you say that? That you only have done enough work to know in depth about five to seven guys. That's that's, that's really interesting. <laughs> when asked about uh, Jalen Smith, of course, who they took yeah. uh, tenth in the draft, mm-hmm. and then they you know didn't pick up his option, and now he's going to be a restricted free agent for Indiana. The quote James Jones gave was: "Jalen wasn't better than Javale on a competitive team trying to win a championship." You could say if we give him opportunities, he can be productive. But what's the trade-off? I just thought that was like a very weird. And some context of this is that the Suns are one of only two teams, the other being Portland, that does not have a G League team, hmm. which I think is is kind of interesting. Yeah, because like, is. if they had a G League team, you could send Jalen Smith there. Yeah. To develop, if you really felt this way, but the idea that you're going to spend that high draft capital on a pick at number ten. And then because he isn't immediately better than like a 12-year vet or whatever it is in JaVale McGee, you're just going to be like, well, I guess he's never going to be good enough, so we'll just not pick up the option. It sounds like a coach GM thing to do. It doesn't sound like a GM GM thing to do. Yeah. And then he talked about, there was a big thing about their international scouting and how their international scouts spend much more of their time in Phoenix than actually scouting overseas. And he had some quote like, I think it would be better for our scouts to watch Monty Williams in practice than go watch some random 18-year-old. And then he said, the, the quote here, Jones readily admits that if there, if another unformed Anadokounmpo is toiling in obscurity in southeastern Europe, the Suns wouldn't give him much of a look. 
He even confesses that had he been at the helm in 2015, he probably would have passed on Devin Booker. Well, why, why would you say that? And listen to this quote, Andrew. This is about passing on Devin Booker, which he didn't do. He wasn't involved, and there's no reason to say that. Yeah. It, it all depends on what your goal is. Devin is great, but there are 50 skeletons tied to that swing for the star. It wasn't until winning was imported, Chris, Jay Crowder, drafting a three-year guy who could help right away like Mikhail, that it translated to success. And if you don't import winning around him, there are even more skeletons. So if you want to find the guy with the highest potential to be the future star, then it makes sense to draft him if you're willing to navigate the landmines. Like, dude, I read this article and What's I was he like, talking about as soon as Chris Paul is gone, like, what the hell is happening to this franchise? I don't this know. sounds terrifying. Would, it sounds like he would never take a swing ever. He's always going to take like the older college guy, like, wow. like a Cam Johnson, who, by the way, that in here, somebody with the sun said they were prepared to take him at six in that draft. Holy which is interesting. Stuff. Obviously, it worked out. And they and, have Ochai Abaji at number one on their board, I guess. Maybe. And, and we should mention, like, obviously, they went to the finals last year. Like, they were the best team in the league. So, yeah. like, there's an element to this where, you know, it reminds me of Joe Lacob with the Light Years article back in the day. That was in 2016 yeah. during the season when they were winning 73 games. But they were coming off that 2015 ring. So, like, even though everyone roasted him for that at the time, he could still say, hey, I already got the ring to, like, prove what we're doing is working. Wow. And, like, yes, the Suns have been super successful, but they don't have that ring, and they're coming off, like, one of the most embarrassing playoff losses in NBA history, and there's all this scuttlebutt about DeAndre Ayton, who they took number one over Luka back in the day, and now is apparently going to you know, not be on the team next year. I just thought it was, like... Very weird article, both in terms of the timing and like why? Why volunteer any of this information? What is the point of any of this? Are you supposed? Is he trying to make us think that he's like super smart? And we're supposed to be like, wow, what a boss! <laughs> I don't know. I <laughs> really so cool. just don't understand. It doesn't sound. It doesn't sound good. Light years is different because like they are doing things a little differently. That they you can see the plan that's in place because they're taking these like high upside swings with their draft picks that they've acquired by using different assets in the way that they did to acquire Jonathan Kaminga to get Moses Moody. Like they're doing things where you're like, oh man, like I can see how this would really work. When you and admit then, that I'm only willing to take older guys and only willing to play older players, it's like, oh no, James. Oh no. And you know, the worst part of this now, I, I just thought of this. So that means if James Jones was the GM back then, Devin yeah. Booker would have been on the board for the Thunder. Oh, son of Yeah. <laughs> James Jones is talking like he has a team in Miami. So at, that's exactly what it is. And they actually brought that up in the article because, you know, he played for the Heat. And, and Pat Riley has historically like not cared about the draft and rookies, even though... Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo are two like hugely important pieces to their core going forward. Yeah. But like, yes. And he even says like, I want Phoenix to be Miami of the desert, <laughs> which good luck. The, the quote on OKC. And again, like they've been wildly more successful than OKC the last couple of years. So like, I, I'm not even like, there's a limit to how much you can really like hate on this. Yeah. His quote was, I respect what OKC does. That's, what they've chosen to be, I guess. Everything's a choice. I don't judge. I respect it. It's just not for me. 
which that's what you say when you do judge. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, <laughs> and you do, and, and you don't respect it. That's what you say. Holy smokes, man. That is really funny. That's, I would be horrified by all of those quotes. It just means that this run is going to end. And also we're trading Deandre Aiden for old guys. Like I thought I was thinking that like the Rudy Gobert for Aiden deal it can't makes... it can't work by the way that can't happen that cannot happen why is that ba- base your compensation in a sign and trade deal they can only take back like 19 million dollars okay. that's the well, whole problem with the eight and sign and trade you can only take back someone who's making like 19 million dollars so you'd have to wait to do it you have to sign them and then wait you'd have to it. sign them and trade them in the season which yeah. that is what they should do because Look at any of the deals that people are talking about. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's crazy. Like if they actually made any of these deals that are being bandied about, yeah. Like taking back. Actually, I don't even think Jeremy Grant would work because I think he might be making more than that too. But like any of these guys, like it's just there's not a lot out there. Like OG is the one because I think he makes less than that, and it could work in a sign and trade where I'd be like, okay, maybe that. I makes would. Some sense. I would actually do that because I think again, you can find a center on the trade market that can do some of what DeAndre Aiden does. And if you can get a wing like OG to pair with the guys you already have, like, yeah, do it. Uh, but yeah, I, that's why like, I just think they need to sign him to a deal and then they can trade him on December 15th if they want to. Yeah. For someone, for someone more interesting. Huh? <sighs> All right. Anyways, that was our uh, <laughs> brief sons talk. Just because I thought that article was wild. This is that's amazing. Um, so I am doing a beat writer mock draft currently. Um, Cur- as we speak. Yeah. So we you can help me out with it when when we get to number. I'll be picking number two right now. Okay. Mike Vorkanoff is picking for the Magic, and he just took um, Jabari Smith. So we'll be taking okay. Chet, we'll be taking Chet Holmgren. Um, okay, so the dra- the draft is tomorrow. We had, did have some more Thunder news drop from Zach Lowe on his podcast. It's really funny. Um, he revealed that this Denver pick is top five protected in 27, 28, and 29. So the reason that they haven't done the deal yet, a lot of people are like, oh, does it mean that they're going to make it a three-team deal? Does it mean they're going to do this? No, they can't complete the deal until after the draft to trade the tw- basically the 29th pick. Um, those picks aren't available yet. They will be available after the draft. So it will be done some in the coming days after the draft. But getting a top five, essentially what you're doing is you traded the 30th pick and a couple seconds in order to get a potentially much better pick in 27, 28, or 29, depending on what the Denver Nuggets look like. This is a an outrageous deal. I thought lottery protected might be the best they could do. But top five, we just take some time as I type to yeah. explain why, why top five is so ridiculous at this point. Yeah, I mean, any any listeners out there who, are, who play a lot of video games, like this is your cra- classic crafting strategy. I'm playing a, a monster hunter right now, Andrew, where I, uh, I go out and hunt some monsters, you know, and then I harvest them and then I build up amazing armor with it. And this is the type of move I've been waiting to see where Presti's like collecting all these kind of low value assets when we're talking about these late first or these seconds. And the question has always been, 
can he like cobble these together? Can he craft them, upgrade them into a pick that has a lot more value? Because last summer we were talking about their their war chest, their pick war chest. And we we're saying like, yes, you have those Houston picks, but they are capped in terms of their value because they're top four protected. You have the Clippers picks, which are unprotected, and those are exciting. But at the same time, like they have the richest owner in sports. They're opening a new arena in 2025. Like, how excited should we really be for these picks? And then all the other picks all had like significant protection on them. Since then, they've now added the 2025, 2025, Andrew, really far out. <laughs> the 2025 Philadelphia pick, which is top six and then top four, top four. Andrew's leaving me by myself. They did that deal with Miami where if the Miami pick in 25 ends up in the lottery, the following year, the 26 Miami pick becomes unprotected, increase that value. And now we have this 27 Denver pick, which is top five protected. Now, obviously, like Denver's a very good team. They have uh, Nikola Jokic. He's going to only be 32, you know, at the tail end of his prime, perhaps. And he kind of seems like the guy who's going to last forever. So, Yes, this will most likely end up being a pick in the 20s. But turning those low-value assets into something like this pick, which we're so focused on the potential value of this pick as like the Thunder using it in 2027 or whatever it is. But also just think about going forward using this pick in a trade. This pick has so much more value than a pick that would be like lottery protected or top 20 protected or whatever would have. From... Denver side, I was going back and forth with a, a Dean on draft. If you know, if you're familiar with Dean on draft, because um, he was saying like this is a is a good deal for Denver. They're in win win now mode, and the idea though with this trade is that they're going to use the space, the benefits of this trade to actually make upgrades, and that's where I don't believe this is true, because Wojnarowski, Adrian, comma Wojnarowski, uh, he said that by dealing Jamichael Green. They created an $8.2 million trade exception, and they now can also use a $6.4 million taxpayer mid-level exception. If Denver made this trade with the intent of actually using those two things and bringing in guys to help this team that should be in win-now mode, then I get it. I think it's a solid deal for them long-term. I just have a feeling they're not going to be using these things. There's rumors now that they're trying to shop Monty Morris, who's like a very good backup point guard in this league and instead like focusing on the the pick 30 or these second round picks you know they have i think they have pick 21 and pick 30 bringing in more rookies knowing the history of the nuggets like that would scare me because it feels like a lot of these moves are being made more for financial reasons than actually trying to upgrade the team you can tell yourself like yeah they, they created some room to upgrade this team i mean 8.2 million dollar trade exception is kind of interesting 6.4 million taxpayer mid-level exceptions really interesting. They're only interesting if they use them. So if they use them, I would say this deal's fine, I guess, for Denver. The other thing that would make me feel better about this deal from Denver's perspective is if they had gotten Mitchich. If they'd gotten Mitchich in this deal, I almost would have said, oh, this is a fair deal. This makes sense to me. And they could have signed him. And it, and everyone thought like there, there was some, I think it was in Arnovitz's or no, Kevin Pelton's like trade grade review of this, that executives around the league were assuming that Mitchich was going to be a part of this deal. And so far, I, I don't know if the deal has been finalized, finalized, but so far he has not been included. That would be the other thing that would make me feel a little bit better from Denver's side. But for OKC, this is like obvious win. 
Like those second round picks. So we traded one in 23, one in 24. If we hadn't traded those, we would have had six second round picks in those two drafts, three next year, three in 24. You know, people talk about this idea that like there's a roster crunch. You can't use all these picks. That is, I'm less into that talk when we're talking about first round picks, but second round picks, like, yeah, absolutely. Like you do not want to take six second rounders over these next few years. Those picks to OKC were basically valueless in terms of like actually selecting a player and bringing them on the team. So to flip those with the 30th pick, which especially like in this draft, like a guaranteed contract at the end of this first round, do you really want it? Turning that into that Denver pick, huge win. Okay. Andrew is apparently never going to come back. I'm going to assume it's his uh, Wi-Fi. He has not texted me. He has not told me anything. It's possible he just left the show permanently. He has handed the reins over to me. So I'm just going to start uh, answering some uh, Thunder questions, I suppose, some Twitter questions. We asked for Twitter questions. You gave us a lot. I'm going to save our bold predictions for when Andrew comes back because I do have some bold predictions. And we are going to talk about the scuttlebutt, but I'll save that until Andrew gets back. So let me just ask, answer some of these questions. Okay, starting with, actually, let's talk about these. At Thunder Hardwood, Nick's salary dump for 11 or the Hayward Hornets dump for 13 or 15, will it happen? So the Knicks salary dump idea is that, assuming they want Kyrie, or maybe there's a, there's another star that they want that they want to make room for, they have to get off some of these contracts. Specifically, Alec Burks, who's an expiring around 10 million. Nerlens Noel, expiring around 10 million. And then Evan Fournier would be the tough one because that's multiple years out. I... If they would really do a salary dump for any of those guys for 11, for pick 11, I might be interested. Obviously, you'd be way open to it if it's just the um, guys who are expiring. I mean, who cares in that case? Because it's not adding future money to you. So that I would be totally cool with. But you would assume if they're giving up the 11th pick, like you're having to take back Evan Fournier. And... We've talked about this idea of 23 cap flexibility. Presty brought up brought it up at his end of year press conference, and it's something that we've been like harping on over and over again. But if you look forward, if they didn't do a long term extension with Lou Dort, I mean, obviously we've heard the rumors about them trading Dort, whether that's true or not. They're going to have so much space next year, like regardless. So, like, could you add someone like an Evan Fournier? and not really worry about it because you're still going to have a lot of space. In that case, I might consider it for the 11. The only problem with that is like they already shown that they wanted to move out of the first round when they traded the 30th pick. Do they really want to take another pick in that same range unless they think it's that's going to be the key to help them move up to four or whatever, or to move up without having to trade Dort? So that, that, was, that would be my thoughts on the Knicks salary dump. And then the Hornets dump, like that one makes way less sense to me because Gordon Hayward makes 30 million next year and the year after that is not worth just taking back. It's not happening. Pick 13 or pick 15. It's not happening. I don't like that one at all. Yeah. There's no way that's happening. Andrew, you're back. Oh, I don't know how Colin Cowherd does it. <laughs> by himself that long. I was about to pass out. Andrew. <laughs> yeah, I would. They might do something with the Knicks. I would be very surprised if they take any money that goes past this next year. 
I just don't yeah. think they're going to do that. I was just bringing up the idea though that like I forget I forget who what listener was talking about this with me, but like th- there is a point if you look at their cap next year, like if, if especially if they don't give Dort an extension, mm-hmm. their cap is like it's going to be still be like really big. Yeah. So like, would are they still willing to take on one of these deals? Back. Well, until Andrew comes back, uh, let's move on to the next question: the Frozen Oki. What assets would it take for it to be worth OKC taking bad salary before the cap space disappears? If OKC is unable to attract free agents, would clearing the books in 23 actually help? Would it be better to be in the tax and have salary to send back in a trade for a disgruntled star? This is kind of what we were just talking about. So, like, what assets would it be worth for OKC taking back bad salary? Well, we kind of of saw it with the Denver deal. Like, that's the kind of pick I want. I want it to be in the future... And I want it to be lightly protected. Anything else, I'm like, eh. Unless, unless, like, if it was a deal for the 11th pick this year or the 13th pick this year, again, if they thought that that was, like, the missing piece to help them get up to seven without Dort or get up to four, okay, maybe. But if I'm taking back, like, significant salary, like the Evan Fournier or Gordon Hayward, like, I want a future pick. I want it to be lightly protected. Kick that can down the road a little bit more. And I kind of agree with your point. Would it be better to be in the tax and have salary to send back in a trade for a disgruntled star? I think at some point that will that we do have to start thinking about that. I don't know if that time is now, but you start looking at their cap going forward. If they don't bring in a contract like that, it's going to have to be someone that they sign. You know, whether that is Dort in the future, like they sign him to extension and then he becomes the contract that you can trade, or like Bayes could be someone like that. So, uh, those are all great questions. Okay, moving on to some other Twitter questions. Some of these I really want to save for Andrew, so I'm going to skip to the bottom. This doesn't mean they were bad questions. I'm just skipping to the bottom. At Ben Vance, of the tanking four teams, Pistons, Rockets, Magic, Thunder, which do you think will be the first to make a conference finals? Now, I'm just going to throw the Thunder out because we're, we're Thunder fans here. Of course, we're going to say the Thunder because... We're homers, rose-colored glasses, and all that. So let's just look at the other three. Pistons, Rockets, Magic. I think most people would say the Pistons. Pistons just have a lot of good buzz around them. Even though I think they've lost more games than the Thunder the last two years, everyone always talks about how competitive they are. You know, and and everyone loves Cade Cunningham. They're going to get another top pick. I'm going something... I'm going to do something a little different, which might surprise some listeners out there. I'm going to go with the Rockets. Because I think the level of talent they are bringing in, in combination with what I think is going to happen next season, they're going to have a base of young talent that is going to rival, like, at least in terms of like draft pedigree, that is going to rival like what we thought of the Thunder back in the day. I'm not saying that those players are going to be as good as KD, Russ, and Harden, but when you have Jalen Green as a number two pick, you probably are going to have Paulo Bancaro as the number three pick. I think the Rockets are going to be terrible next year and are probably going to be the worst team in the league, guaranteeing themselves another top five pick in next year's draft. Like that type of base of talent, I think is really scary. And it's something that we haven't talked about a lot because I don't want to talk about it. But the Rockets kind of scare me in that sense. I mean, a lot of people have Paulo as like the number one player in this draft. So it seems like they're going to get him at number three. They already have Jalen Green, who I really like. What if they luck into Victor next year at the number one pick, which I think is like completely possible 
based on how they how, what they're planning to do. You know, they tra- already traded away Christian Wood. Not that he was like helping them to win a ton of games, but they're going to be playing a ton of young guys or more young guys this year than they were last year. They're going to be bad. So their core next summer, I think, is going to look really scary. And I'm going to bet on talent over anything else. I, I you know, have opinions about Tillman Fertitta. I haven't liked some of the things the Rockets have done, but that would be my choice for that question. Andrew is back. Oh, Andrew, you did it to me again. I barely made it. <laughs> I don't, I'm struggling today. There's too much going um, on. Okay, are you, are you ready uh, to move on to our next? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, we're going to do uh, our bold predictions. Now, Andrew, these are bold. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to give you three my three predictions. Okay, and, and you tell me you know how bold you think they are. Okay, we've done this before. So the first one for me, there's two ideas that have been very prevalent in this draft cycle. The yeah. first that everyone seems to agree that the 2023 draft is going to be really good. Mm-hmm. Right? People are very excited about that. The other idea is that. So many teams are competing right now. I've heard this on multiple podcasts. Like, look around the league. Everyone's competing. Yeah. I mean, even if you look at the bottom teams, like, I think Detroit's going to be competing next year. Like, Yeah, depending on what they do with Jeremy. Yeah. I, I, I'm not... And the Magic, like, I think the Magic are going to be trying to win next year. There's been some rumors that, like, how long can they really do this in Orlando? Now, maybe mm-hmm. let's leave aside... Okay, see, let's leave aside Houston because I, I think those teams could potentially still want to be bad. My first prediction is that a tanking team for next year will reveal itself on draft night. Some team will make significant moves okay. to reveal themselves as, yes, we actually do care about this 2023 draft. This is the perfect year to do it. Why is no other team like figuring this out? Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense to me. If this draft is so good, why is no one pivoting yet? So I think it's going to happen on draft night. Some mm-hmm. team, I don't know who it is, and it would have to be big moves. But Give I think some team pre- is going to pivot. Here's my bold prediction on who it is. The Spurs. You know, that's pretty juicy. I like that. Because that's it would it'd probably take trading DeJounte. Yeah. Which you've, you've heard rumblings. There's some rumblings. I don't know how real they There's some rumbles there. Rumbles. That That to me would be the team. Because if you look at their team... What's the path to them to be a truly competitive team with who they've got right now? You need like two of these guys to pop, whether it's Kelton Johnson, Devin Vassell, whoever they get at nine. Like, yeah, you need two of these guys. Yeah. You can't continue to pick at nine and just randomly wind up a championship team. You got to go get your guy. And to me, and what that would be the team you could pull the plug pretty easily. You trade you trade Dejounte for some young asset. Trade Pirtle, trade Pirtle, and boom, then I, you're there. And then I think you're there. Now, but if you if we say that, does that mean we think that Pop has retired? It just hasn't been announced yet. It's possible that that the that they just released it in like the local paper, you know, yeah. and didn't. So tell that, that that's else. first that's first uh, bold prediction. Okay. Second one is related to the Thunder. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, for this bold prediction to work, I'm assuming the first six picks are going to be in some order. The big three, Ivy, Benedict Matherin, and Keegan Murray. In some order. I don't really care what the order is. Yeah, that seems... Not, that's not a stretch. Not, not relevant to my bold prediction. Okay. At pick seven, Andrew, I am predicting that Portland trades the seventh pick to Atlanta 
for a package centered around John Collins and that Atlanta selects Dyson Daniels with the seventh pick. Okay. Okay. Huh. Dyson Daniels for the Hawks, one of my favorite draft fits this year. Yeah. It's put him next, put him next to Trey young secondary ball handler mm-hmm. can guard on the perimeter. I really like that. Nice guy. I don't know. Did you say nice guy? Yeah. Nice guy. Oh, okay. I don't know. Yes. I'm yeah. assuming. Okay, great. <laughs> I like nice guys. Okay, that's the reason why I'm predicting that is because Matherin and Daniels need to be off the board yeah. for pick eight with the New Orleans Pelicans. OKC is going to trade up <sighs> from pick 12, Andrew, with mm-hmm. the New Orleans Pelicans. And my yeah. prediction, Andrew, mm-hmm. who they're going to trade up for, Jalen Duran. Okay. <laughs> now, is this just to spite me? Is not to spite you. This is me reading the tea leaves, Andrew. Reading the tea leaves. Here's the deal. You you talked to all the prospects. There were two prospects that would not say whether they had worked out with OKC or not. Who are those two prospects? Well, there were a few. No. Chet wouldn't say it. Yeah. Usman Jang. Wouldn't say it. Well, this kind of hurts my my argument, but keep going. Jalen Dern wouldn't say it. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, but but on the other hand, there were guys who would say that they worked out with OKC, correct? Yeah, there were plenty of guys that would. Isn't that interesting? <sighs> why why would certain guys feel comfortable saying they worked out with OKC and other guys do this weird like, oh, I don't want to get into it, like like senator speak? What is? Well, <laughs> don't don't you think that's strange? I do think it's strange. Yeah. So that makes me feel like Jalen Duran and Chet have worked out with the Thunder. And if they have worked out with the Thunder, I mean, obviously we assume that Chet has worked out with the Thunder. I mean, Chet we've been talking about Chet, the Chet forever. You can, yeah. you can bank it. Like, take it to the bank. Yeah. I think if we, if we, if we feel comfortable based on that response of linking Jalen Duran to the OKC, he is really the only guy of all of the prospects who have been linked to OKC that we haven't really heard any rumors about. Yeah. I mean, we've heard rumors about basically everyone else in this range, whether there's like Jeremy Sohan or or whoever it is. Mm-hmm. Jalen Duran's the one where we haven't really heard anything. Yeah. And it would it would feel most like I'm trying to predict like what is going to be like the weird OKC draft night thing. And this feels like that's what it would be. Yeah. It would and it would be a a statement by the Thunder saying that we have an idea for Chet that might not line up with the way everyone has been talking about him. Mm-hmm. We might be looking at this more like a Cavs situation and we want him to play the four or play or, or just play next to a big, yeah. a very physical big who happens to be one of the best athletes in this draft. Yeah. There was a guy, there was a guy on Twitter, Brian J draft who said, I think it's really strange that there are three elite athletic prospects in this draft, sharp Ivy and Duran. And none of them are really in consideration at the top. We've always talked about this idea that like new thunder picks, but remember when we talked to Derek Murray and we said, is that, do you think that's a real thing or is that just how it's worked out these last couple of years? Like, is that reality or perception? And he said, I kind of think it's more perception. And so like, just because they drafted Josh Giddy, who we acknowledge isn't like the most athletic guy in the world. I don't think we should think that that means that they don't value athleticism anymore. And if yeah, we, and I if mean, you believe the I mean, Jaden Ivey rumors I, at all, every team that would go along with that it. as well. 
yeah, I mean, every team values it. I, th- I just think the Thunder are trying to build a specific team of like super skilled players, though. And if they happen to be athletic, they're not going to take it. They're not going to be like, oh, gross. He's athletic, you know? Right. I still have trouble getting there with Duran. Here, here's the deal. Let me, let me try to pitch it to you one more time. We talk all the time, like if OKC is actually going to win a title, they're going to have to do something different. Because KD is not walking in that door. Like, Russ is not walking in that door. Like, they, they got incredible luck mm-hmm. and, and and give them some credit for drafting those three guys. Mm-hmm. Those are three Hall of Famers. The chance that the next version of the Thunder has two Hall of Famers, one Hall of Famer, is very low. If they're yeah. going to be successful, it's most likely that they're going to have to do something different. Mm-hmm. Something that goes against conventional wisdom. And right now, conventional wisdom is... Load up on big wings. Big wings are all that matters. Except for the Cavs. And I mentioned this on, in the Twitter spaces. The Cavs, when they were healthy, with a roster that, like, outside of Garland and the two bigs, like, no one loved. No one was, like, going crazy for Lowry Markinen and Isaac Okoro. And yet, mm-hmm. it worked so well when they were healthy. And it worked, like, in a way, so well... They, it like kind of went beyond what you thought might be possible. Like when that team was healthy, they were destroying teams. Yeah. And I just wonder, as we start thinking the future, guys like Victor Wembanyama coming in, we already have like obviously a bunch of bigs were in the MVP conversation. Is a shift actually occurring in the league? And is drafting Jalen Duran and pairing him with Chet Holmgren actually getting ahead of the curve for something that we're not re- we're just like in the infancy of right now? So yeah. that's that's my that's my big brain bold prediction. Yeah, I'm not there. I think that it's I think you need to be more versatile than that. I just don't know. I don't know that long term you can play those two at the same time because I think long term they're both centers and I just I'm not But but the whole the whole pitch with those guys is how good they are on on the perimeter on defense. Yeah, I just don't like, buy like that. how they can hold I just up. Don't, I just don't buy it. I just don't You buy don't buy it. it. No. That's fine. I don't well, buy. Uh, I don't buy that. And maybe I'm proven wrong. Maybe they do take Duran. That's. I, I just would still be a little skeptical if that was their choice. So to you'll me, at least give me credit for that being bold, though. Hmm? Uh, sure. Give me a give me a little. Bold. Sure, I'll okay. give you a little nugget of boldness. Okay. Yeah. Um. Final final bold prediction, Andrew. Yep. AJ Griffin falls out of the lottery. Oh. My final final. Hmm. Again, these are bold. Like I'm trying to pick things that have probably less than 20% chance of happening, but could happen. And that's, yeah. that's my final bold prediction. Yeah. I think that's less bold. I think, I mean, he could fall to 15, right? Who's picking a 15 of oh, the Hornets, Hornets. Who, are, who are trying to get rid of that pick. Um, but, but that would be a good trade up scenario. Like yeah. he's the type of guy where if he starts falling, a team's probably going to trade up and try to get him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Do you have any bold predictions, Andrew, off the top of your head? Yeah. I'll say the Thunder make a deal with the Pelicans and they, Get Shaden Sharp. Shaden Sharp. Do so you think he's the pick? This is interesting. Uh, mock draft special. Jonathan Gavoni and Woj. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden are marking are mocking Shaden Sharp to the Blazers at seven. Yeah, that makes no sense to me from the Blazers' perspective. Yeah, all we've heard this entire time is that the Blazers are wanting to retool around Dane. You don't retool around Dane mm-hmm. with like the eighteen-year-old mystery man. Yeah. So either that's not true and, and they are open to it because we know that Mike Schmitz, when he worked at ESPN and they were doing mock drafts, he said 
that he would take Sharp at seven if he was there for the Blazers. He is now mm-hmm. with the Blazers. Mm-hmm. Or is this the Blazers sensing that OKC wants Sharp and they are trying to send the signal that if you want Sharp, you can't wait till eight. You've got to trade up to seven. Or is this ESPN saying we're going to give we're going to give him a clean slate and act like we don't know what's going to happen at seven and just act like we're just we're oblivious to what's going to happen with the Blazers at seven. Wait, you're saying that Mike Schmitz is giving them secret intel, Andrew? I'm saying that Mike Schmitz is is cleansing ESPN of information from the Blazers. And they're just like, I think that he's the seventh best proxy. I mean, you you listened to Jay Billis talk about him last night. Did you watch it? Dude, Jay Billis, he <laughs> he he said he's talking about Jaden Ivey. He was talking about his improved shooting. <laughs> he said that he shot forty percent from three last year, and I was like, "Wait, is that true?" Wait, if, if Jaden <laughs> Ivey was shooting forty percent from three, everyone would be talking about him as like the number one or number two pick. Yeah, he said the phrase. I saw Shaden Sharp at <laughs> at Duke. <laughs> he said that, or at Kentucky. I mean, he said I saw him at Kentucky, and. It was like doing doing what? He's like, I watched him in the, in the warmups, and it was just like, son of a, like, what are you doing, bro? Like, stop it, stop it. He he, he also was, uh, he also said that. <laughs> what did he say? Um, he, his comps la- last night were just all over the board. It was really yeah. Comparing Chet to Giannis, which I mean, I guess if you squint, you could say, okay, these guys are coming in with like weird bodies. He, I suppose like yeah. that's. Sure, but Giannis was a lot shorter at the time, and so his body wasn't like that weird. He was just like a skinny guy. He was real skinny. He said that Keegan Murray is a tall Malcolm Brogdon, <laughs> which I don't even know what to say to that comp. Hmm, I'm, I might actually be into that one, Bills. Let me think about that. One. <laughs> yeah, and, and then he and then he said Jabari Smith was uh, KD like. Yeah, that I, I hate. I hate when people say when they're doing comps and they're like. Listen, you never want to compare a guy to someone like KD, but it's like, well, then don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. He doesn't do have it. the handle. He doesn't have the pull-up game. You know, he doesn't have the defense, you know, like Kevin was. And maybe he'll be as good of a defender, but, like, he's not Kevin at all. Like, Kevin could get get things going to the rack, you know, yeah. in at Texas. He was nothing. He was nothing like him except for tall and skinny. It, it was weird. Um, I, I kind of wish... Like I would rather have Low on that show, like Low and Woj and the host. Yeah, the host was pretty good. Yeah, I yeah. like the host. Yeah, I, I forget. I don't know that guy's name. That I don't know his name either. Name. I was trying to figure it out, but I, thought I never watch ESPN, so I don't know. Um, okay, do you want to go over some uh, scuttlebutt real quick? I think we have to. Okay, so before I get into scuttlebutt, I want to give a shout out to at Thunder Focus on uh, Twitter mm-hmm. Twitter account. Hey, two more uh, two more days. Go follow Thunder Focus. Thunder Focus has been basically summarizing all the scuttlebutt. Yeah. And this year, I find it's uniquely hard to catch everything because you have articles, you have podcasts, you have uh, these Twitter spaces, you have the call-in app, you have to like do a Spotify green room. Like, There's all these sources of where this information is coming from, and it's yeah. so hard to keep track of it all. Yeah. And so I really appreciate what Thunder Focus has been doing, just kind of threading it all, letting you know what people are talking about. Very nice. Okay. So the big thing yesterday, let's start at the top, Andrew. Chet Holmgren, Jonathan Gavoni last night on SportsCenter. I've talked to owners, coaches, officials, executives, and everyone is saying the order will be Jabari, Chet, and Paolo. Mm -hmm. Would be shocking if it went otherwise. Woj said, my sense has been 
that Chet has been the focus for Oklahoma City all along. Brian Windhorst said, everyone I've talked to believes Jamari Smith goes number one. Tim McMahon said, it would be a surprise if it doesn't go Jabari, Chet. Paulo, Jake Fisher, Orlando and OKC have access to the medical information for Chet. Honestly, Andrew, my takeaway from this, terrified. <laughs> Why? It's, it's too absolute. Mm-hmm. In, in a draft where no one agrees on the top three, the order of the top three. This happens every year, I, though, Al. Like People figure out what, what these teams want. I know, but but it's different. Like last year with Cade, like most people at that time felt like Cade was far and away the best prospect. Whether that was true or not, that's how most people were framing that draft. Mm-hmm. This draft is much different, has much different framing. And in addition to that, we talk about OKC being this tight-lipped organization. Like Orlando is that way too. Maybe. So I, I just I don't know. I would just say that all of this where everyone is already assuming how the top three go. It scares me, Andrew. Don't be scared. I just, I think you can feel pretty confident going into draft night. Um, let me ask you some Twitter questions about Chet. First from hey, Stone Cold. Hey, before we, before we do that, let's take a quick break. Okay. Can we go long today? Can we go long today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can go long today. Okay. But we got, we got to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back after that quick break. Al, let's get to some chat questions. Okay, chat questions. At Stone Cold S. Adams, will it be weird seeing Holmgren on the back of an OKC shirt? Feels like he is Chet, and the last name is not as well known. 
I, you know what? I think I agree. Obviously, like in soccer, guys can put like their first name yeah. on 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 the shirt. I would love to just have a jersey that just said Chet on the back. It, and honestly, I, I think about it more. I want Shea on the back. Yeah, I mean, you don't have you don't have LeBron on the back of a jersey. That would be cool too. I'm just saying, maybe they should expand it and let guys choose first or last name. Because I think Chet is a great example. Remember during the pandemic, you, they could put whatever they wanted on the back of a jersey. They could. Uh, next, at the first Hurley, this is another one about Chet. This draft has a chance to be like the 20, 2007 draft when the Sonics had number two and did a draft night deal to move up to number five. Is this Presti's chance to fully remake the team with two top five talents? And if so, Andrew, who is your ultimate realistic combo? I think it's Chet and Jaden Ivey are the okay. two that if you're able to get that fourth pick somehow from the Kings, I think that that's what you do. Uh, I, I thought it was very interesting that report yesterday that said the Kings had asked the Pacers for number six and two future first rounders and that the Pacers turned them down. Mm-hmm. And everyone on Twitter was like, wow, they're asking for so much. They're asking for so much. My, my reaction to that was that seems like a pretty easy deal for OKC to match. It's pretty easy for them to match. If that's like if they could, if they can get up to seven or get up to eight, mm-hmm. and then send that pick along with two future first. Obviously, collectively, you have to give something up to get to seven or eight. But I don't know. It, it doesn't sound like that wild. Yeah, you could do that. I also would like like Ben Matherin, or if you could get Shaden Sharp. I think that those the fit is probably cleaner with like a Ben Matherin or Shaden Sharp, or even Keegan Murray. Yeah. Honestly, than trying to fit Jaden Ivy. But I think if you're just like swinging for the fences, then you just take Ivy and try to figure it out. He would probably have to come off the bench where you're doing like the uh, James Harden redux thing. Oh boy. Which I don't love. And that's why, I, that's why I might prefer taking, you know, Matherin or Sharp or, you know, if I don't know that you need to trade up that high to get Sohan. He's another guy that I really like. Uh, which is, I don't know, like if you can do it, like just go get Ivy. He's the guy that everybody seems to think could be one of the best players in the draft. And then you figure it out. If you have to trade one of Shea, Giddy, or Jaden Ivy at some point, like if you do that, you probably get a lot more than you could get otherwise. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, that's that's probably what I would do. Just get as much talent as possible on the team and then, you know, have Mark. Are you... Are your fit concerns with Ivy um, kind of diminished if it turns out he actually did shoot 40% from three last year, as Jay Billis said? So if we are talking a fictional world, then yes. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Uh, some other scuttlebutt that came out about Paulo. Now, that this is the scuttlebutt at the top is is so ridiculous because we've now come full circle. Every Every single prospect at the top has now been connected to the Thunder in some way. The final piece was Paulo. And yesterday, Jake Fisher said there's a real possibility Paulo goes number two to OKC. Raphael Barlow, who we had on the show last week, he, he did an Intel uh, piece, said several sources say that the action could start at number two with the possibility of the Thunder selecting Bancaro. I think it's notable just because we haven't heard anything with Paulo up until this point. Yeah. And so I was kind of waiting for it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily see this as a sign that the Thunder are taking Paulo. I was just kind of, it was just like the last rumor you could have about the Thunder. So like we had to get it at some point. Yeah, they're not doing it. 
Andrew doesn't believe it. Andrew doesn't believe it. He <laughs> sounds believe, so confident. Is he going to look like a fool tomorrow night? If I look foolish, I will fully admit how foolish I am tomorrow. But I am not buying it whatsoever. So when they when they draft uh, Paulo and Jalen Duran, <laughs> <laughs> Paulo and Mark Williams, I actually like Jalen Duran. Just in a vacuum, like I really do like the idea of him. Nineteen years old, crazy athlete, super duper strong. Like almost like how is this possible? Strong. Um, his catch radius is ridiculous. I mean, he would be really fun with Josh Giddy, just because Josh could throw anything. You know, he could just throw anything and he would catch it. And Josh was going to throw great passes. So I like the idea of Duran. Um, and I have my reasons for not thinking Paulo is going to be the guy. And people are like, oh, well, Andrew didn't believe Josh Giddy was there at six either, Kurt T. Listen, Kurt T. Josh Giddy was thought to be a guy that would go in like the 10 range. And they took him early. But if you look at all the things, like he checks a lot, he checked a lot of boxes. There are boxes that Paulo doesn't check that that he checked. I'll just say that. And I would say, uh, in our defense, we didn't buy into the book night stuff last year. We always thought there was something up with that. I did, we didn't like it. I just didn't think it made sense. We heard a ton about it, but it was just like ugh, it. It just didn't pass the smell test. Ultimately, I think that maybe begrudgingly we thought that. Okay, he's probably the guy if everybody's saying it, but the truth is nobody uh, really knew. Let's talk about Jaden Ivey, because obviously, you know, going back to the draft combine, we've been talking about this. Uh, at Mike underscore duty wants to know, in a scenario where Chet goes first, is it out of the question for OKC to trade back for Ivy? Is Jabari the better prospect overall, or is he a really good prospect, but a better fit in OKC because he fills a need compared to Ivy? So basically, if Chet goes number one, mm-hmm. do you think that that trade down possibility is in play? Or would you still be surprised? I would still be surprised. I still just have a hard time. If that's like the only guy that you walk away from this draft with, I still just have a hard time understanding why. Uh, I just think Jabari Smith. I mean, the, the Thunder did their like due diligence on Jabari Smith, brought him here, did, yeah. did all the things that you would need to do kept him here for a few days did the workout went to dinner with everybody met everybody um that didn't happen with Jaden ivy it doesn't mean that they're not going to take him but that didn't happen and to me if you're going to take a guy second overall you want to you want that experience with them and i would say a lot of people are bringing up well they worked out giddy in secret like they didn't bring him to okc which completely true but i feel like those are two different situations because last year no one knew about Giddy. Like there was a reason to have these secret workouts. Whereas if we believe these rumors, the entire league has known that OKC likes Jaden Ivey since the draft combine. If that were the case, why would you not bring that person in for this multi-day thing like they did with Jabari? And you're picking at two. At six, it's I mean, we don't know who's gonna go at six. There's a, there's some gamesmanship there. Like at two. It's going to be a few guys. And if it's not one of those few guys, you're trading back because it's yeah. pretty solidified as to who those guys are. I think that it's not impossible that they trade back to four. And to me, what it would signal, and if they can get a 23 pick from the Kings, it would signal to me that they value the 23 draft more than they do this draft. 
and that they yeah. like Jaden Ivey enough, but think that getting a 23 pick and Ivy is worth way more than just taking Jabari Smith at two, which could be a fair, it could be fair. I mean, you, you can make the argument that you should put all your eggs in that basket. And I think that it's also a signal that like, hey, we're going to be bad next year because mm-hmm. we're going to have a team that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, maybe maybe the Thunder are the team that announces uh, their intentions. They could be. That, I mean, that to me, and that's that's a fine outcome if that's what it is. I I don't understand how you're putting a team together. Also, the only thing that Shea has ever really not liked about his experience with the Thunder has been that they've made him not like the like number one primary guy, and that they, he has right. to share those yeah. duties with Giddy. And now you're saying, well, like, all right, move over just a little bit more, Shea. Uh, we're going to bring in another guard. I just, to me, it doesn't make any logical sense. And sometimes you do things that don't make logical sense. You do it because it's talent-based alone, and you just try to figure it out. But to me, it's just like, man, I don't... There wasn't enough room on this team years ago for Russ, Katie, and Harden to all be the superstars. There was only room for two. Now, Josh is different. Josh could maybe make room for those two to thrive, and he's kind of this tertiary role. But I just have a hard time envisioning what it looks like with those three, and that could be my problem. I don't know. Um, next question from MJ underscore Horner. Is there belief that Ivy can guard one to three at an above-average NBA level? Is there any belief he could be the primary defender on the best guard or wing? No. I don't. Yeah, I don't think I've heard anyone say that i think mj's asking that question knowing the answer but (laughs) they just wanted to bring it up just so we're all aware he wasn't everyone he wasn't good at purdue everyone talks about how shea and giddy aren't great defenders even though we feel like shea could be yeah yeah and he's gotten better in some respects but i yeah i think that's worth considering as well like Mm -hmm. you're putting those three guys together and trey man throw him in as well Mm -hmm. okay next question at nz thunder guy not sure if it's been asked before, but giddy for number four straight up. Who says no? Probably Sacramento. I think so, too. When you have those two guards already, I mean, obviously he has more size than them, which is nice. Mm-hmm. And they've drafted three guards in a row. But I think the number four draft, it's, it's, it's kind of like the new car thing where it's like that that number four pick before it's attached to any player just has like so much value. Yeah. Even though I th- I think that would be a roughly equivalent trade, like I think it's probably fair value right now. Yeah, probably so. Probably so. I just don't think they would do that. And I'm not sure the Thunder would either. To be yeah, honest. they might not. Because in Giddy, you have this six eight, six foot nine, whatever position he is, elite passer, elite thinker. You know what you've got, and I think that when if you end up drafting a big you want somebody to help connect the offense (laughs) and giddy is the guy you know i think that you can be more confident in the giddy pick knowing that you got the second pick and not a oh gosh we got to trade giddy to get somebody else in here it's more like oh wow like this really worked out well because if the thunder landed at four this year shoot i mean what do you do i mean maybe then you trade down for Duran and then hope that that works out or whatever. Cause I just don't think the Jaden Ivy thing is, it makes logical sense, but 
now that you have one of those guys, got, you've got some really good choices there. You know, no matter who you take, one of the three bigs, like you have some really good choices that fit really well with Josh Giddy, uh, especially if it's Cheddar Jabari who can shoot it from deep. So to me, it's it's it makes more sense to keep him and to see what that looks like than to try to flip him now to Sacramento. Who is Josh Giddy getting you to the play in in Sacramento? Do you feel confident about no. that? Like, I don't either. So I just have a hard time getting there. With and, and he's idea. not fixing either of their two biggest weaknesses, which is shooting and defense. He's actually not good at either one of them. Yeah. Um, last question about Jay Nivey. I like this question. At Diesel Ray 23 I know the goal is titles, but part of me just wants a chance at one of the most exciting and popular players in basketball game, a la Russ or KD. I feel like Ivy has the highest chance of being one of those type of exciting guys, but who would you say has the second highest chance? So if you're just going purely like exciting star, you know, like a John ja Morant level, a Russell Westbrook level back in the day, yeah. who, who, who could potentially get you there? Is there anyone else? Um, I don't know. I wouldn't underrate what Chet can do in the open court. You know, I mean, the stuff that he can do in transition at his size and his skill level is just like whoa. Like I've never seen anything like this before. Kind of stuff. Yeah which I think is really not only intriguing from like a strategy standpoint, but I think from a viewership standpoint is, is going to be really fun. Um, maybe Ben Matherin is like one of the more functional athletes in this draft too. I think that he'll, he could be that. I think Shaden Sharp could be that if he becomes a real player. Um, but yeah, there's not a ton of just like, whoa, flashy, this is crazy, you know, guys in this draft. It's Ivy, and I think that there's a pretty big drop-off from there. Yeah, I think the only other guy I might say, and it would require a lot, but A.J. Griffin, because the way people talk about him in high school, yeah, if he did ever regain any of that athleticism, he, he could potentially be that type of player. But there's yeah. a long road to get there. Yeah, I, was gonna say, I have a lot less hope in that. Um, okay, Andrew, now now it's just straight Twitter questions. Are you ready? Do we need to play the Twitter questions song? Yeah, sure. Why not? You really want to move. You really do want okay. Somebody if you have it. Somebody sent us a DM yesterday said that their kids asked Alexa to play the Twitter question song. <laughs> we we gotta put it on Spotify. I know we got to. Okay. Twitter questions. Twitter questions. Questions and you ask them on Twitter. <laughs> now we answer them for you. This is Twitter questions. <laughs> now let's get down to it. Twitter questions. Oh man, so I'm in the mock draft. I'm we're at eleven, and Fred Katz yeah. is filling his out right now for the Knicks and Jeremy Sohan Jeremy Sohan was falling he's falling right into my into my arms and um he just got taken 11th I'm so sad now so who's on the board who's on the board let us know I'm so so sad now okay so um AJ Griffin was taken 11th Jalen Jalen Duran was taken 9th Dyson Daniels at 8 Shaden Sharp at 7 Ben Matherin at 6 Keegan Murray five, Jaden Ivy four, blah, 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 blah. 
Um, so who are you looking at? Oh, by the way, that's another piece of my Jalen Duran prediction is that you you would have to trade to eight because I do believe that San Antonio would take him at nine. Yeah, so I've I've made a uh, quasi big board here, um, and all of my top guys are gone outside of Johnny Davis. Okay, um, that might be who I take here. Yeah, I mean they're all gone. So wow, they're all gone. All of them. Um, Man, do you, do you feel now that. like because you used to say you wanted to just stay at twelve, Andrew? Now that you're seeing what could happen, you kind of want to move Us- up. Should I take Usman and just no. be the? No, I can't take Usman Jang. Don't I just can't Usman do it. Um, should I take Jalen Williams as my wild card? That'd be pretty spicy. I like Jalen Williams a lot. I think he's really interesting. Um, however, it's going to be difficult to not take the guy who was in a Taco Bell commercial. That's true. Uh, hey, before I get to Twitter questions, I just wanted to mention some of the uh, other draft parties going around are going on around the country. Andrew is what I was trying to say. Okay. Uh, we of course are having ours at Fassler Hall tomorrow night. Cool. Yes, it's going to be really fun. But let's say that you're in Tulsa and you, you just can't you can't drive all the way down there for one night. Well, you can go to Marshall Brewing Company. There's going to be Thunder fans there watching the game. What if you're in Dallas, Andrew? You can go watch the draft at Hero, which is right in front of the American Airlines Center. Tyler Carroll, who you may remember from uh, uh, crunching all the odds for the picks yeah. in the past, he's he's going to be there. And then <laughs> also, the if you happen to be in Scottsdale, Arizona, mm-hmm. uh, there's going to be some down to dunkers at Backyards, which uh, nine two six one East Via de Ventura in Scottsdale, Arizona. They will be there. So. You have options around the country to watch with Thunder fans. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Um, okay. First question. Love this question. At JGG512. Without predicting who we will pick on Thursday, what is one statistical marker, not three-point shooting, or characteristic of the team next season that will make you feel like they've made a major jump or on the precipice of one? And so frame it this way, Andrew. Let's say like you go into a coma or maybe something nicer. You just go on a, a trip. <laughs> you go away sorry. on a trip for a year. You come back next May. Uh-huh. Someone hands you a computer open on NBA.com slash stats. You can look at one stat for the Thunder. What would you look at first? Um, Shoot. Not three-point shooting. Yeah, you can't choose three-point shooting. I mean... I think just getting better defenders is probably the thing, like perimeter defenders. Well, that's not a stat, Andrew. I'm sorry. I'm I'm misunderstanding the question then because I'm plugged into my mock draft. You can you can only pick one here. I'll give you mine, okay? Okay, and give then me you yours. Understand. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm, I heard one third of what you said. Okay, Andrew's in a coma currently. He's already preparing. <laughs> Let's say I I don't watch any of the season. I come back to life next May. I only look at one stat. I am going to be looking at the net rating of the oh, okay. two-man Shea and Giddy lineup. That's can I what say I win percent. Know. Can I say win percentage? No, that's lame. No, that's a stat. <laughs> Wouldn't you want? I think that one's good because, like, that's what we talked about this last season. We want to believe in this combination, but you know, I just if you don't. Look at, like, I just don't care about that stuff yet. 
I guess. You don't you won't care about it by the end of next season. What if by the end of next season there's still a negative 10 net rating when they're on the court together? I don't care. You, you won't have any questions about whether it's working or not? No. I don't no. care. I don't care. Well, what do you care about any stats, Andrew? You're going to look at like what deflections, charges taken, <laughs> win percentage. <laughs> That's all I care about. Okay. Want all right. Well, a low win John, percentage. <laughs> Uh, John Grooms, I'm sorry that Andrew has made a mockery of your very good question. <laughs> First, All I right. didn't listen to it, and then second. <laughs> All right, next question. At OKC Thunder Baby, I keep thinking about the app outcomes that I personally would be bum confused about. For instance, yeah. trading Lou, getting Duran or Williams at 12, or what about eight, OKC Thunder Baby? What could happen on draft night that would be the hardest for you personally to become more excited than disappointed, where you'd have to really talk yourself into it? Yeah, I think trading down for Ivy and then taking Mark Williams at 12 would be the outcome that I would just be like okay, like this isn't this isn't it. <laughs> this is not what yeah. I expected. Um yeah, I could talk my Duran I would be more excited about Mark Williams is just like you're taking a traditional center and the speedy guy. Um I don't know. That just wouldn't that would be the one that I would have to. We have to do a two-hour podcast to talk through how it, how it works. Here's the thing: I think mine would be taking Jaden Ivy at two, and then taking Usman Jang at twelve. Yeah, I would be and really the, upset if they took him at two. Honestly, and the reason they would take him at two is because all indications are that Houston is locked in on Paulo. Yeah, Paulo doesn't really make a ton of sense next to Sabonis. Yeah. So, like, do they really need to trade up the Kings? Like, are they, are they really convinced that Houston's going to take whoever falls out of Jabari or Chet over Paulo? I'm not. I think Houston might just take Paulo, and then they could just get the other guy. Yeah. So I don't, I'm, I'm less convinced on the incentive for Sacramento to trade up. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't like that. Jang... Jang, I could you can talk yourself into it. Like no. really, really young, six foot ten, can pass. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. There's ways to talk yourself into it. Can't you know, do it. He feels thundery in a lot of ways too. So like, I just like prepare your hearts for that potential outcome. I like I know the context. I know why this is the case. I mean, James Wiseman only played three games. Like Kyrie played eleven games at Duke. Mm-hmm. But last night on that mock draft show when they were talking about Usman Jang and they were like, but if you look at his last 10 games, yeah, I didn't like, that. like they're just giving us stats on his last 10 games. It's like, I know the reason why, like I get, I, we, we, I mean, Raphael talked to us about it. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, man, he's not my favorite prospect on my fictitious big board, which is not a, a real big board. I've got him at 16. Yeah. Uh, okay, next question. At Michael on sports. You guys talked before about 17 points per game for Dort last year, more than likely being his career high. Mm-hmm. Is he at his max trade value currently? If so, does that make it a smarter move to see if you can move him? I was I was thinking about this. What is Dort at his max trade value? Because he's not on a long-term deal yet. Yeah. So he's affordable for at least one more year. Yeah, I mean, I he could be. I think that he will max out as like a Jay Crowder like role player in the NBA, probably. That so if you if you feel higher th- on him than that, mm-hmm. 
I, I, I don't know. Like I, I was thinking like last year probably would have been max trade value because then you're getting two more years on the crazy of cost control. Yeah. Because if you trade for him now, especially if you're giving up something like in the scenario where Portland would give up seven, yeah. you're kind of committing to that next contract. Gotta pay him. Gotta pay him. So I, I don't know if he's at his max trade value right now. Yeah. And obviously he could theoretically get better and then be on a reasonable contract next summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It depends with, on what the money is. I mean, if he, if he's locked yeah. in at like 15 per great, it's a very tradable deal. People like to have those size of contracts on their team anyways. And he's a good player. Um, yeah. I mean, the the answer could just be that the Thunder want to keep him and want him on the team long term. Right. You know, that might just be the answer. It's like everybody's talking about how you could package this and this and get that. The answer could be that that they do that, but it could also just be that they see the value and that they'd rather use future draft capital instead of him to to get to wherever they want to go in the draft. By the way, Andrew, did you see Brandon Land is going to be in the building mm. for the NBA draft? And he is committed to vomiting on television when we make our pick. That's great so to know the guy that's, to it. that could do it. Yeah, he better do it. Or a big <laughs> Oklahoma City Thunder emblem on your chest and just find a way to throw up. <laughs> yeah. You re- I mean, that's that's really hard to do, I got to say. Yeah, I was I was always super. I've been watching a lot of Jackass lately, uh, just just hours and hours of Jackass clips. And Dave England being able to poop on command is still like one of the most impressive things. <laughs> how, how how is that possible? I don't know. I've, uh, uh, okay, next question. These dudes have some messed up bodies, though. They do have some messed up bodies. <laughs> I'm very worried about Johnny Knoxville at Watkins B one five three one. As sad as we'd be if Dort got traded, do you think it would solve some roster issues being that he's a wonky fit with SGA and Giddy, or would you just keep him and roll the dice? How are you I, feeling about the, the Dort fit question right now? I don't think he's a wonky fit, I would say. You don't think there's a little wonk there? I really don't. I think that he's defensively, he takes a ton of pressure off both of them. And then offensively, as they acquire players that are much better than him, I think his offensive role is going to be simplified. Like last year it was, oh boy, like we, we don't have a lot of guys that are going to get buckets on this squad. And Lou, you can, you can hoist eight threes a game and that's fine. I just think that as they acquire players, like they're likely to acquire two lottery picks in this draft tomorrow, you're going to bring those guys in and you're going to simplify what Lou does offensively where you kind of cut out the above the break stuff. He just takes corner threes, attacks, closeouts, plays in transition. I think if he does that, I don't think he's a wonky fit. I think it's actually a pretty nice fit with them. Uh, just depending on what you do, he could also be a guy that comes in off the bench and scores a little bit and plays defense and maybe closes some lineups or you go a little bit smaller. I, I think, I don't think he's that wonky of a fit, honestly. Yeah, I, th- I think it's hard to judge his fit. Like we we really haven't seen him in his ideal role since his rookie season, yeah. probably. Yeah, I think so, that's right. Um, like if he comes in this season playing alongside a number two pick and number twelve pick, and he's still taking seven threes per game, and most of them are above the break, <laughs> then I think we could have that conversation more seriously. Yeah, I think. Well, but at I, that point, Mark needs to have a conversation with him, not us, <laughs> not us have a conversation. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think right now, uh, even even though I've you know been a little lower on Dort compared to some of the Thunder fan base, I still like the idea of that ideal role for Dort. Yeah. I just want to see it. 
It was it was the same thing with Bayes. Like we just wanted to see it, and we eventually did see it, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, I kind of understand how Bayes could work long term. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, at snake shooting. Careful, Andrew. Pew, what is the pew, most pew. realistic trade in which we move up without giving up Dort? I think it would be that like moving up to eight trade. Mm-hmm. Whether it's like Mitchich and a future pick in addition to the twelve, or I, I just think you could get that deal done without Dort. Probably so. Yeah, and whatever it, it is. Yeah, and it, I mean, it might be the preference to do that as well. Just depend, and it will just totally depend on what they want. You know what. Lose representatives want for him in the next contract if they're like, hey, we need 20 million plus. He scored 17 points per game. He's a good defender. That's what we need. Then it's like, okay, Lou, it's been it's been real, man. Then you include him in the deal. But if it's a hey, Lou has been a Thunder fan his whole life. He wants to play with Shea. He wants to stay with the organization that bet on him. Let's figure out a number that makes sense for everybody. And it's like, yeah, great. Keep them around. And we can trade future draft capital. We've got 18 picks in the next five years. We can't use them all anyways. And if we do want to move up in the draft, we'll use picks. You know, that's how we'll do it. Uh, so to me, that's, that makes the most sense. I mean, a lot of people talk about like Kenrich Williams involved in these deals and Dort involved in these deals. And maybe they involve both of them. I don't think that's out of the question. But to me, it makes more sense to try to use future draft capital as a part of that than than not now that i mean they've got that denver pick now that's a blue chipper like way in the future too i think you can feel more comfortable with trading just whatever Mm -hmm. um next question at sean cargill i like this question say the thunder don't trade up and they're picking at 12 are there any young players in the league that you would like to trade for instead of picking at 12 trying to think of something that hasn't been discussed yet which uh, we have not discussed that the idea that you would potentially trade your first round pick to just get like a guy on a rookie scale deal. I think what's tough about that is like take Trey Mann for example, mm-hmm. if Trey Mann was on another team and, and we, we hadn't watched him all season and you know, we're just looking at the stats. Like it would feel like a lot to give up to trade 12 for that guy. And on the flip side, like, Teams who have guys on rookie scale deals, usually the GMs who made those picks are still in position. Yeah. Like they made those guys because they fell in love with them. And so I think it's very hard to trade those guys when they're only a year or two into the league. Like mm-hmm. a deal back in the day, like Eric Maynard, like those deals just don't happen mm-hmm. a lot. And he was a late first round pick too. It's not like and he was, was a late, yeah. Yeah, it's not like he was a lottery pick. And which you would want to trade twelve for a guy that was taking the lottery. Uh, you would. What about Denny Avdia? You you uh you down with Denny? <sighs> I mean, d- depending who was on the board, I, I that maybe that's around fair value, but I, I wouldn't be. You wouldn't be. I wouldn't be jail. dancing, Andrew. Yeah, it would be like, oh, okay, <laughs> you did that. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um. He he's definitely a guy where you have to like really dive in. Yeah. To like make make the case. Yeah, you to like get really excited. Dive into the synergy tape. Um, yeah. What about his teammate Rui Hachimura? No, I'm not. I'm not a huge Rui fan. Okay, it's tough because like the guys that you would really want. What about DeAndre Hunter? Uh, yeah, and see, like that's the kind of deal where I I just don't think Atlanta would do that. Probably knew it. Um, 
And then who and else? And also, is no, because the, the other problem, especially with someone like DeAndre Hunter, like you're going to have to pay them like almost immediately. You got to pay the boy. Got to so, pay so the it boy. Ha- so, so it has to be a first year, pl- like a rookie or like maybe a sophomore. And those guys just like don't get traded. <sighs> Trey Murphy? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But like, wh- why would New Orleans do that? I don't know. But yeah, like Trey Murphy would be one where I feel like, okay, I feel good about that. Big shooter. Yeah. Like that. James, James, Book, James Book Knight. For the 12th pick. Because it's like we already did well. We already feel like we did well in last yeah. year's draft. And now we're going to reset it. Yeah, I don't like that either. Uh, James Book Knight for 12. You like that? Andrew. Oh, I'm back. I'm back. You're back. Uh, James Book Knight for 12. You like that? Oh, no. No, no, no. All right. It's, All right. It's a tough. Uh, it's a tough question to come up with an answer to. That's especially with guys on rookie scale. All right. I think I think I know the answer to this, Andrew. But I just want to ask you. At Fluky says, after Shane Giddy, which player would you least want to be included in a trade to get either four or seven eight? And is the answer obvious to you? It's not obvious. Because obviously, anyone's immediately going to say Dort. But then you have to factor in the contract. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's it gets not a little more reasonable ask for Dort to be the guy. I mean, I guess it would be Trey Mann, but at the same time, it's just like if that's what you have to do to get the guy that they believe is at on a different level than all these guys, then you do it. Um, yeah. So I don't know that there's like a oh I can't believe that they did that. You know, Dort is probably the guy, but otherwise, it's just. It's like the cost of doing business if you're trying to if they want a player and like if they're just like we have to have Trey Man back. That would be the one where it's like, oh man, okay, fine. You know, that that would probably be the one. Anybody else, it's like, okay, whatever. You know, like um, you don't get value for Poku. If they traded Baisley, fine. Um and then it's like who who else really? Like Jeremiah? Like, I don't know. Does Jeremiah Robinson Earl have trade value? Yeah. I mean, probably not. Uh no. Um, okay. At unhandy train over under two and a half hall of famers from this class. I'm going under and I feel pretty good. I was looking back. 1970 was the draft with the most hall of famers in one draft class. And it was five. Mm -hmm. So that's the most there's ever been in a single draft class. Even in like good drafts, it's like three. Yeah. So I I feel pretty confident saying under two and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I I think if you put it at one and a half, that's where, you could be like, hmm. That's a dip, more difficult line. But yeah, I'd say under. Yeah. I think there could be two. Yeah. Uh, at Diesel Ray 23, knowing what we know now about Giddy, where would you rank him if he was in this draft? Mm-hmm. Wondering if an average draft, we would consider him a top three to four talent. I thought about this and I said five. Yeah, you could put him in that fifth spot. Yeah, I think that's fair. Five or six is fair. Yeah. It's kind of a eye of the beholder thing because I'm sure there's some teams who, even seeing Giddy, still wouldn't rank him like above, you know, a Jay Nivey or or some of these other guys. Yeah, if you're Detroit, is that really who you want to pair? Right. With yeah. Jade? Like, not really. I can see the Pacers wanting to do it, and then if you're seven at the Blazers, if he falls there, it's like to the Blazers. Actually, really want him? Like, I don't know. Giddy Giddy Cade would be kind of fun. I it, mean, it might be, but Cade's. Cade wants the ball. Like you want Cade to have the ball. 
And then if you're talking, but he about- doesn't. But he doesn't have to. Like he, he did that at OSU, and that uh, isn't that why one of the reasons people like the Jay Ivy fit because it's like, I, like I don't think Kate is going to be this. Fans like, don't Helios. like don't like that fit. By the way, I don't know why. Like, do they really want Cade to be play like Luca to be like yes. heliocentric completely and just surround him with shooters? Yes, they do. I don't feel like that's maximizing what Cade does. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that you put a guy that. I think that you can have a fine secondary ball handler, but Cade's like the guy. He's the guy. I don't know why you'd want to put another guy that needs a lot of possessions to be maximized next to him. I don't think that makes sense. <sighs> they want Ben. They want Ben Matherin or Keegan Murray. That's what Pistons fans want. Uh, at Bandito, oh, here's a question you might be able to answer, Andrew, because you haven't been able to answer any of the other ones. At Bandito, 1986. When will we hear from Presti after the draft? That tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. So it'll be tomorrow night. He mm-hmm. will. He will do a yeah, yeah. Zoom interview, or will it be in person? It's in person. Yeah, I will. Depending on how things go tomorrow night, I'll probably head over to the practice facility afterwards and um, talk to Samuel with the other like five of us. <laughs> <laughs> um, at Josh Lath Comedy, any players you have a draft crush on at 34? This is more for you. We, we talked. I talked a little bit about it in the spaces. Uh, we've done a good job finding second rounders who can contribute. Is there anyone you've got your eye on? At 34, that you would just you would just love it. Uh, I'm a big Christian Brown guy. I'm a big uh-huh. Gabriel Prachita guy. Um, uh-huh. Those are probably my two favorites in that range. Okay. Like big wings can shoot it. Yeah, multi skilled, have some toughness to them too. Yeah, those are definitely the two guys that I like the most in that range. I like Wendell Moore as well, but he's. A little shorter. I don't. I don't think he's quite six six, whereas like the other guys are are bigger than that. So that's why I you I know like those two. I don't know if you're following the the down to dunk group chat, but McKelly's long text string on Proshita. Oh, he did. He okay. Should, I he, he's. He, I, I I don't know if I can share it, so I'm not going to share it. But okay, we'll just say we'll just say McKelly is into the idea. Okay. Yeah. Uh, at Cameron Whitham, Whitham or Whit Whitham, will Al Babycakes be watching with his mother-in-law again? We need those vibes from Lotto Night. Oh yeah, and and Bangelo wants to know what is Al Babycakes doing the night of the draft? I will be at home by myself, uh, watching it by myself. Um, <laughs> uh, k- kind of sad, but you know I have a newborn, so I can't really just leave. Yeah. I'm back to I'm back to work already, so I can't like go to work and then leave at night. Yeah, but that but that's fine because the draft like I get as nervous for I am as nervous for tomorrow night as I would be for like a game five wow. in the playoffs. Like okay. I, I'm terrified. I, I and those types of things I I kind of like to watch them alone, so that I can just like <laughs> block everything out and just focus on what's happening. But you'd be at Reading- Fassler Hall if you could. I would, but I wouldn't be comfortable. I'd be uncomfortable the entire time. <laughs> I'd be miserable. <laughs> I'd be, I, you know what I do? I'd overcompensate by drinking too much. I'd had like two DOS boots, Andrew, before the draft even started. That might be what you need, though. No, that'd be bad. <laughs> um, okay, f- final question. At Alex underscore Bullerjack, describe your ideal draft outfit if you were getting drafted on Thursday. Mm. have you ever thought about this because no. you know it's it's always a big deal 
what, what guys are wearing. Some famous ones, you know, somebody posted, uh, I think Shay Media posted today what Shay was wearing back in the day. He looked great. Yeah. I always remember uh, Bull Bull's spider jacket. Remember that? That was weird. And then I I feel like uh, Wiggins had a really interesting jacket on too back in his day. Mm -hmm. Um, There's been some great ones. Yeah. Any any ideas for what you'd want to wear? I mean, I would, I mean, I'm super boring when it comes to style, you know. So I would probably keep it pretty simple. Maybe have something on the inside of my uh, suit jacket. I don't know. Oh, that'd be cool. I don't know. I have no, I have no good answers for this. I don't have a good answer for this. Like a true answer for this. I mean, what if you, what, what if, if you had like a really cool like multi box cereal design on the inside? That you would open be it cool. up and it's just like a collage of cereals. What if I just wore like the suit that Kirk Heinrich wore on draft night? Just giant. What did he wear? So I was thinking about that. I was thinking, you know, especially in the last couple of years, the trend has been to go skinnier Mm -hmm. with the fit. What if you start a new trend, go the opposite way, even go further than what it was in like the early 2000s, just wear like the baggy. You can't even see your shoes because your (laughs) pants are draped over top of them. You can't see your hands. Like kind of like a Kyle Kuzma thing. You you make Adam Silver reach inside your sleeve. You just yeah. I just hold my sleeve up like this and make Adam reach up into it to shake my hand. Yeah, just complete like like looking like Nathan Fielder where when he wears that big uh, suit yeah. in Nathan for you. I think that'd be a fun way to go with it. it Everyone would, would make fun of you, but it'd be memorable. Everybody, you would be the story of the night. If you decided to do that, <laughs> and it'd be very funny if you were invited to the green room and you were the guy who fell. So like the second round. And so they just keep cutting to you <laughs> as it's just... like pick 50 and you're just in this giant suit, just sweating. <laughs> I would enjoy that. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, you would you would be talked about for years to come if that's what if that's what happened to you. Yeah. Uh, oh, Jay's in the chat. He says, where are Jinkos? Somebody said that Andrew strikes me as a suit with shorts guy. Do you, do you have you ever done that, Andrew? No. <laughs> suit with shorts? I do. I do wear a lot of shorts. But I feel like that's an L man thing. I feel like L man would do that. I think L man would definitely try it. Do you have to wear short sleeves with the short shorts? I guess you have to. Uh, no. You can wear a, a, a jacket, like a regular jacket. Do you do shorts? Really? And then and then you push it and then you push up the sleeves like Miami Vice style. Yeah, that's bad. That's a bad look. That's that's. I think look. I think L Man might be able to pull it off. He pulled off cornrows. He pulled. He didn't. Them. <laughs> he pulled them. Yeah, that was that was a uh, classic L Man move. Getting cornrows. I think in the summer. we've posted that picture on Twitter before. I know we have. Yeah, it's really good. He's got gold hair, gold braces, <laughs> braided. It's amazing. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Final predictions, Al. Before, uh, before I said what go. I said, I'm, I'm going Chet and Jalen Duran. Okay. That is my final prediction. Okay. Um, I wouldn't. That wouldn't be my choice, but I wouldn't mind it either, because I do think Duran's got does have a high ceiling because of just the the physical nature. That I mean, he's he's a he's a freak athlete, and he's man sized at 18. So I like that. Um, I'll say, gosh, the 12th pick, I've just had a hard time just getting a handle on it this whole time, to be honest. But I, I'll i say Chet and Sohan. Okay. 
So basically, we're both we're both picking a front court of the future. Yeah, front court of the future. I think that you can get that in this draft, which is pretty cool. And then at thirty four, um, Gabriel Pochita goes to OKC. Uh, yeah, I, I would go with that as well, based on what McKelly said, which I can't repeat. Mm. <laughs> I, I probably can repeat it, but I'm making it sound like it's very exciting so information. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let us know what you guys want in the chat or on twitter it's going to be a really exciting night uh so i'm releasing a podcast today that i recorded with kelly eco and james anderson not james anderson james anderson's in the chat here james edwards (laughs) um james it would have been a surprise for you to be on a podcast that you didn't know you were on uh james edwards the third who covers the pistons and kelly who covers the rockets and so we just talked about the top five that'll be on the athletic nba show feed sometime today uh, we will have a slam and jam recapping the draft. Uh, we'll record that Friday and release it Saturday. We are trying to finalize what we're going to do for that, but it should be a really fun recap of the draft. So uh, something something to look out for as well. Uh, we're doing this beat writer mock draft that I'm doing right now. You can look for that on the Athletic. So if you if you want to have all these podcasts ad free, you can. Subscribe at theathletic.com slash down to dunk and get it for $1 a month for six months. Get the podcast completely ad free. And you can also uh, read everything that's on there, including this mock draft that we're releasing. And then also Sam Vecini's book, essentially, that he put online. This is an ebook, essentially, that he's released on The Athletic. Uh, it's tremendous. It has any any of the content that you'd want on all the prospects, it's there. So I think it's 93,000 words, which is just absolutely insane. So uh, join us at Fastler Hall tomorrow night from 6 to 10. It's going to be an absolute blast. You want to be somewhere that is going to be joyful, that you will remember this draft. Last year was incredible, and we only had the sixth pick. And this year we have two and 12 with the potential to move up. Lots of chatter about moving up. You're going to want to be there with Thunder fans. So be sure to be there. Fassler Hall, 6 to 10 tomorrow night. Uh, Hope you guys have a great, great day. And we will talk to you guys again on Friday. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.